Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. Let me talk to you a little bit more about this day. Uh, There are three days, uh, which are Pentecost, uh, Passover, and Atonement. Uh, also called unleavened bread. Sometimes you'll see it called tabernacles. Uh, Sometimes you'll see it uh, called trumpets because it's that season right there. Uh, The last day of that season that we're in right now uh, from the Bible, of course, would be atonement. And we talked about that just a moment ago when we were just praying and seeking the Lord. Uh, Those things aren't in the Bible just so we can tear the page out and throw it away. Uh, Jesus, uh, that's what Calvary was about. He has fulfilled those things for us today, but they speak to us, uh, they talk to us, and oftentimes uh, we still participate by faith in those particular things. We do understand that. Uh, Once again, it's, uh, I'm cautious the way I enter into it when I talk to someone about that, because unless I've had time, but a Wednesday night crowd is normally a little more mature across the board, you know, per capita, than you would see just necessarily on a Sunday morning crowd in a church. And it's that way uh, worldwide. I can can tell you that right now. So I believe that you can assimilate uh, the teaching of the Word and apply it maybe and help bring it through the cross. Come on, everybody shout the blood of Jesus. You take everything and you filter it through the blood. You make sure that nothing, no revelation you get can ever change the all-inclusiveness that you and I have through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't add anything to that for salvation. Can I get two big amens right there? That's extremely important to understand it. But nor does that necessarily negate things that are in the Scripture that may not be uh, the act of salvation itself, but they're part of the kingdom of God and the operation and the working of the kingdom of God of which you were born into when you were born again. And then knowing how to, as the Apostle Paul says, rightly divide the word of truth. There is some rightly dividing. Uh, Obviously, we believe there's a lot of wrongly dividing that goes on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when God sets us together in a local church, then we believe we have found a place that rightly divides the Word of God. Nor do I necessarily uh, expect every person to have 100% of the same revelation that I have uh, as a pastor. But uh, when it comes to the fundamental things of the Scripture, then obviously uh, there's a like spirit, there's a common spirit. And once again, I like to say I'm okay with you being wrong and me being right and uh, wait till we get to heaven and God tell you the pastor was right. But anyway... Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't split hairs with somebody who says, well, I'm not really sure I believe in this or that, but, but I love Jesus and, and, and on the, the foundational things that are in the scripture, you know, we're, we're walking in unity there. And if somebody doesn't believe what we teach from the pulpit in the church, that's their business. Uh, I, I believe if they'll keep coming long enough, they'll get some revelation and uh, they'll see it that way as long as they're not going around and sowing discord 
trying to prove their point contrary to the Word of God. Now, if that were to happen, of course, they would be sowing division or discord among the brethren, of course. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, and we don't have that going on. So I thank the Lord, or if it is, I don't know about it. And uh, so if you're doing that, you better not tell me because I'm going to come to your house. I promise you <laughs> on that one. But uh, other than that, I love you. And I thank you for coming to this house. Uh, so in this particular season right now, in the atonement season, it is a powerful, powerful time because Jesus uh, made the atonement for us. Uh, and when you see that word atonement, and just for the sake of putting it into an English, uh, uh, just kind of a little English understanding to go along with its, you know, I could break it down into Hebrew to you, but it probably wouldn't uh, do as much for you if I did that. But uh, A-T-O-N-E-M-E-N-T, at one men, at one, at one. When Jesus died for us and shed his blood and poured that out, the atonement then he did that so you and I could become at one with him. God became one with men, at one men, uh, atonement. Does everybody see that? Come on, shout hallelujah. And I believe we understand that. So in atonement, we become one in him. Uh, he's one uh, with us, the scripture says. He lives in us and we live in him. Paul said, in him, I live, I move, I have my being. Over a hundred times Paul said that. Something like in Him, in Christ. Uh, it's a very powerful thing, understanding what the atonement did for us. And it was a revelation that Paul uh, had. He called it a mystery, uh, an interesting word, but it just means uh, not spooky and weird. How many of you know that God's not trying to make you weird? Look, you don't have to be weird, and you don't have to be so far out there. Uh, some people are so hungry uh, are so desirous of the mystical that they will follow just about anything that does its stuff and then wraps the name of Jesus on the back of it. Look, but just because somebody puts the name of Jesus on the back of something does not mean that it's the word of the Lord or the way of the Lord. That's where error comes from. That's why we stick with the word. And we let the old and the new, or as the Bible says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual we let the spiritual things of yesterday be compared with the spiritual things of today, and that has to come through Jesus. Uh, he was the prototype for humanity. He was the, uh, the beginning of a whole new race, the Bible says. Oh, yeah. A new species, totally. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new species, one translation says. God took you from the fallen realm and, uh, and brought you back into that resurrected realm. Oh, hallelujah. The eternal realm of eternal life instead of eternal damnation. He, he translated you. He delivered you. Uh, Colossians 1 says, out of the power of darkness and translated you. Woo, that's a word. Into the kingdom of his dear son. And that happened through his blood. There are beautiful words there. Uh, one of the words uh, is, is the root word for the word blood. It's the word rusis, R-H-U-S-I-S, rusis. And it just says that he rushed, uh, a, a, it, it means a, a fountain or a rush of blood. It says he delivered you from one thing and rushed blood. His blood translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. It was all because of the blood. Amen. Right. Hallelujah. 
And it begun when Jesus shed his blood. That's when that process took place. And it culminated when he offered his blood. The Bible says in Hebrews, and he fulfilled those Old Testament types, which we celebrate and we activate the qualities and the virtues and the abilities and the graces of the kingdom of God. We activate those in our life by faith when we adhere to practice, get our hands around, get our heart around, and by faith, get our confession right, and we begin to say what God says and do what God says do, then we activate those qualities and those abilities that God has made available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. Grace is everything that God accumulated for us through His Son, Jesus, and willingly and joyfully makes available to us. That's what grace is. Grace is not just getting born again. Hallelujah. Thank God for getting born again. How many of you are glad you're on the way to heaven and not on the way to hell? If Jesus is your Lord, that, that's your quality right there to begin with. But you become a new creation in Christ. And it's just like a little baby being born. That baby, when they're born, they are 100% human. 100%. They will never be more human than they are. They may be a larger human, but they will never be more of a human than they are when they are born again. When, uh, when they are born. When you are born again, you are a Christian. You are a child of God, but you're going to have to stretch and grow and develop and mature and become a doer of the Word of God. How many of you know that we should mature in the things of God and continue to do that all of our life? It's not, you know, it's not something that we don't do. Uh, like we reach a certain point and now we've attained everything we're going to attain. Well, you could, have, you could stop the day you got born again just by turning off your... your uh, desire to know God and to be more like Him every day. But it's very difficult for a person to do that. Paul said, you will be kicking against the pricks. Uh, the goads, the pricks, the Bible says. And we're not going to do that. No, we're, we're going to be led by His Spirit. Come on. And by His Word. Uh, in this particular season, when the entire world uh, hears about atonement, and they begin to understand it when preachers talk about not just the Jewish historic part that is pointing to the Messiah that would come, the sacrifice that the high priest would make, that one day there would be one who would fulfill and complete that for them. We understand that's already happened through Jesus Christ. And there are many Jewish uh, men and women today who are giving their life to Jesus Christ and are radical for Jesus. Come on, give me a hallelujah. It's a very powerful thing. And so we don't need to pull back away from that, implying some way that that's just old stuff from yesterday, that, we're, that it's not important. It's extremely important to God. When, when, the, uh, when God told the children of Israel to build the tabernacle, and then when they put the Ark of the Covenant in there, there were certain ways that it had to be built because it was a type, the Bible says, of the true uh, tabernacle, and which in the holiest of holies, which is in heaven. So it was an exact model. When you get to heaven, you'll be able to see it one day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's all described in the scriptures and uh, it's powerful the way it is. And everything about it had a purpose. There was a type. There was a reason for that. There were, there were two cherubims. Cherubims are huge angels. Sometimes uh, cherubims don't get the credit 
as angels because the Scripture talk about different categories of angels. There's archangels. Uh, there's only one of them that we know for sure is an archangel. He's called an archangel, and that's Michael. We think Gabriel is an archangel, but we know Michael is for sure because the Bible says that. And we know those are warring, powerful, uh, extremely powerful uh, creatures that God has created. And what we do know about archangels is they can, they can submit and subdue Satan. Uh, especially as they obey the Word of God. Uh, Lucifer, of course, used to be an angel. He was a cherub. He was a cherubim. Uh, he was an angel. Cherubims are also massive, uh, strong angels. They're a type of an angel. They've got, they've got these uh, wings. that are. A seraphim has six wings, the Bible says. All of this is in your Bible. Uh, a cherubim would have two wings, and then they also had hands and arms under the wings, the Bible says. I think that's very powerful. And then they have, the scripture says, they have four faces. Uh, when you see the cherubims in the Bible, they have four faces. One, one of the faces that faced east was a man's face. They have a face uh, that looks like an ox. They have a face that looks like a lion. And they have a face that looks like an eagle. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant... Uh, there the scripture says there are two of them and they pull their wings together and their wings would touch and cover the top of the, uh, of the uh, ark. Uh, I like to say the cherubim, they're kind of like the SEAL Team 6. You, you know what I mean? They're, they're the middle linebackers uh, of, of the kingdom of God. These guys are not little, a lot of people think of little cherubs with, you know, little Cupid dolls, you know, the little cherubs, and they have the little hearts and things. No, 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 no. You, you've totally missed that. They are powerful creatures, and they symbolize something, and they make a statement. And as they're guarding that Ark of the Covenant, and the priest would come in there uh, and would come, and he had to uh, have repented, he had to be clean, he had to have purged himself, and he went through a certain ritual that God would accept under the law to, uh, to cleanse himself and go in there. Otherwise, if he were not covered correctly, he would die in the presence of God. If sin got in there, it would die. And inside of that ark of the covenant, uh, inside of it was Aaron's rod that budded, Moses' uh, uh, law, the tabernacles that were in there, uh, the tablets, I mean, that were in there. And then there was manna. All of that speaks of something. I think I said it a moment ago. It talks about the heart of man. Because uh, you and I today, uh, we are the tabernacle of God. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Everywhere you go, the altar of the Lord is in you. And God resides there. Isn't that good news? But it's still, we understand it by the types and shadows that God gave us so we can understand it. We have that provision. And then, but what we forget many times is we also have these massive creatures called angels that are ministering spirits sent to ministers for the heirs of salvation. In heaven, there are cherubims that fly around, the Bible says, the, uh, the very throne of God, and they fly around where Jesus is, and they say, holy, 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 worthy is the, uh, the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, holy. And these things are literally four, they have four faces. And those faces represent something. I don't have time to do all of this right now, but those four faces, if I, I could take you and show you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
where those four faces symbolize those four gospels right there also. Matthew is a man, the son of man, all of those things. The genealogies are there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, that's another teaching. Uh, anybody will ever want to hear about that? Uh, so we'll do that uh, at a little future date. I'm trying not to, uh, because of our time today. I know you want to go home real bad right now. But, uh, and I know you don't. Praise the Lord, but we're going to anyway uh, here in just a minute. But what, what's so important is to understand that those angels are qualities from heaven that God allows here on the earth. And I believe they still today guard God's grace toward us. If you remember when Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says God took cherubs and put them in the east part of the garden and they guarded the access to the tree of life. I really wish I had time to break that down. I, I would show it to you from the, the Hebrew there that it was in the midst of the garden and that word amidst, uh, in the middle of the garden doesn't mean like in the center, it means suspended. It, it somehow was a communication between the natural and the spiritual realm. And they were not to get over and eat of the tree of life and be in a eternal position, eat of the knowledge of good and evil, and then eat of the tree of life because they would have had sin. And then if they were to eat of the tree of life, the blood had not yet been shed. They would have been eternally lost. Are you listening? And so God put an angel with a flaming sword. Have y'all read this in the Bible? So you cannot access eternal life today outside of Jesus Christ. It is, it is spiritually impossible to access the tree, the knowledge of good, uh, uh, the, the tree of life outside of obeying the Lord Jesus Christ through his blood. That's because angels, cherubims, actually guard that spiritual gateway. The Bible calls it the way. Hallelujah. This is a lot more information I wanted to try to put out on a, on a Wednesday night in a short time. That's why we have to have Jesus. And he is called the way, the truth, the life. Hallelujah. And we have access to the Father and to the spirit of life, eternal life. Jesus said, I came to give it to you and to give it to you more than you could ever imagine. That's what John 10, 10 says. More than you could ever uh, fathom what's going to happen when you get what I have. Now you try to get it outside of that, you're a thief and a robber and angels will deal with you. They will bind you and throw you into that lake of fire if necessary. Is how Jesus said it in one of his parables. Very important to hear that. There is no other way except through the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because that portal is blocked. Uh, you, uh, you cannot obtain eternal life, the life of God outside of Jesus Christ. It will, it's there until. Uh, so they had these cherubims over the ark and they would bring their offering once a year. The scripture says that they were to never come before God empty-handed on those three feast days. Deuteronomy 16 says to never come empty before God. That's why when we bring our offering before God, Matthew 6, that's why Jesus said that where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. 
Well, the only thing you can offer to God is your heart. It's you. I mean, you throw dollar bills out there and they're not going to be suddenly vacuumed up and go up into the clouds. And when you get to heaven, there's going to be, you know, George Washington's and everything, you know, all over. That's not going to happen. But when you give out of your treasure, then you're saying, God, here's my heart. And I worship you. I magnify you. And when you do, according to the scriptures, there are angels that are guarding the benefits, the blessings, the goodness of God, and seeing and the holiness, the pureness, the uprightness of God. In the atonement, the high priest would come in one time a year. And at the, at the end or the beginning of the year, however you want to call it, uh, the, the actual year in the Hebrew calendar begins at Passover. So in either March or in April, depending on that lunar cycle where it's established. Then it goes approximately six months and half of that season is over with. And then God, in his great mercy toward us, uh, has a second new year. That's why you hear Yom Kippur. Uh, Happy New Year. Can I just say it, you know, for all of us English talking dudes and stuff. Uh, It's new, something new. Have a blessed time. Because God has two new years or he has a a new beginning. Because in the first six months of the year, if things have not always gone the way you wanted them to or necessarily the way God wanted them to in your life, they come and they, uh, they would come before the Lord and they would cleanse and purge themselves. We do that by faith through the blood of Jesus. But it doesn't happen just because it's there. It happens when you by faith actually do it. Hallelujah. And when you pray and when you know the word of God, that's why we go to Holy Ghost churches so we can learn what the Bible actually says. And so as we pray and we magnify the Lord, uh, then I believe that those cherubims have like that face of the face of man, which is like the face of God. God looks like man. We get to heaven and Jesus looks like a human still today. God in man. But then also there was the ox. And the ox literally, the Bible says when there is no ox in the stall, the stall is clean. But when the ox is laden down, there is increase. Well, God wants you and I to have a year of increase. And we need to be like the ox. And I believe that the very ministering spirit of God will work on our behalf. Because when the, when the stall, the Bible says when there's no ox in the stall, the stall is clean. One translation says it is barren. It just literally means nothing's going on. God does not want us to just get by. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. But he wants the ox of our life He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But he said, increase comes when the ox is laden. When it's out there working, getting with it. How many of you believe God wants to bless the work of your hands? Look, work is, I don't care. I know there's people that say that work is under the curse. It's all of that, you know. Look, you just go without a job a while and you'll find out work is a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It helps you more than one way. It helps your own character. It helps your emotions. It can help your body. And I know it can help your bank account. And if if we do that and we use wisdom in it, of course, great increase can come from it, the Bible says. And then there is the lion. The lion, the Bible says, is the most majestic 
of all beasts. Uh, there's a quality about you. You and I, of course, we're after the very lion of the tribe of Judah, the champion of Judah. Come on, somebody shout his name out loud. Jesus. Shout it out loud again. Jesus. His name is Jesus and we want to be like him. And that anointing is there for us when we come before God. Uh, and not only that, but of course the scripture says that the lion is fierce. Look, you let something try to come against you, I believe there's an anointing in you that will rise up that will just be fierce in Jesus' name. Sickness tries to come against you. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. It's like we're not just taking this line down just because somebody said that's going to happen. No, Jesus has made the way through his blood for me to be healed and I'm going to fight that sickness like a lion. And I'm going to do it in faith. I'm going to do it in wisdom. I'm going to do it every way I can. I don't accept the common cold. It can be common with somebody, but I reject it. So if it tries to get on me, I'm going to fight it almost just the same attitude that I would if it was a cancer. Because it's under the curse. And it's not in the covenant of God. So we stand against those things and we defy them in Jesus' name. And then there's the eagle. Oh, hallelujah for the eagle. They that wait upon the Lord. Renew their strength. They mount up. Come on, guys. Eagles are able to fly above the storm where everybody else is going through all of the issues down here. An eagle can soar differently. The scripture says there are four mysteries. Three of them are stunning, Proverbs says. One of them is called the, the way an eagle flies. Woo, glory to God. It's one of the great mysteries. I believe that anointing is on us. And that atonement, when we're coming before God, we're saying, God, I thank you that Jesus has made things available. You have fulfilled. And in Jesus' name, I am activating that eagle anointing in my life. That's your plan for my life today. I thank you for the ministry of angels. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. More than anything, I thank you for the sacrifice, for the blood that you shed for me, that today I have access to those qualities inside the holiest of holies. And we refuse to accept anything lower than that, and you cannot have anything higher than that. So that's where we're shooting. We're aiming for what God has for us. And when the high priest would come in, he would make that offering for the people. Well, the Bible says in Revelations 1 that through Jesus, together, we are kings and priests unto our God. God desired for, the Bible says, for Israel to be a nation of priests. Uh, there were priests in the nation, but they never became a nation of priests. That will happen one day. Come on, somebody shout glory to God. But through Jesus, through Jesus, you and I are kings and priests unto our God. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And we are activating those qualities and virtues that God has. You are a royal priesthood, Peter said. You are a peculiar people, which means select, unique, and just for a purpose. You are a peculiar, that doesn't mean weirdo. It just means for God's purpose. Uh, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on, a kingly priesthood. Kings and priests. 
a peculiar people, uh, that we can show forth the virtues of him who called us out of darkness and placed us in his marvelous light. Uh, the word virtues there, I love this word, and excuse me for getting in the weeds with you on this a little bit, but it's just the way my mind thinks. Uh, the word virtue means uh, most uh, excellent qualities and characteristics. The most excellent qualities and characteristics of God. For behold, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you may show forth. You're a walking visual aid. You're a living DVD to show forth the most excellent qualities and virtues of the one who took you out of darkness and turned the light on, on you and through you. Woo, glory to God. And when we come before God, we say, Lord, let that light. If there are areas in our life, we should do this every day. If there's any area in my life that's not pleasing to you because of the atonement, show it to me. I want to activate the qualities of God in my life. It's not a matter of salvation when you've said yes to Jesus, but I promise you it has a lot to do with participation in the goodness of God. Sin will make a fool out of you. But God has a great plan of blessing for you. And when we come before Him, we say, Oh God, let your anointing, let your light, let it flow in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Let your light flow in our lives. We're, we're at the beginning of a new year. Yom Kippur, you're there. Uh, in the Bible, there's six months. And then God says, time out. And then he says it like this, because Joel chapter 2 is about the atonement. He said, call a solemn assembly. Pray. Let there be repentance from the altar all the way uh, through the front door. People should know their heart. This is under Joel 2. This was under the law. He said, because this is what's going to happen. The wheat bin is going to be full. The olive branch is going to bear. The wine vats are going to overflow. And then he begins to say things like this. And I will restore unto you the years. That's atonement. But it starts with repentance. And with forgiveness. And with seeking the Lord. And then he says, in that same chapter, he said, because the palmer worm, the caterpillar, the locust, and the canker worm, and I understand that to read like this. Because those four creatures, those bugs, cannot eat time. But it says they have destroyed some things. So God says, I'll restore unto you the years. So he's talking about they eat the, the fruit of that year. They eat the potential of that year. One of them can consume it, the scripture says, where it does not produce any more ever. But God says, when you come before me in that atonement and we repent, we open our heart up, we seek the Lord. He says, I will restore. And the word years in King James is a plural. But in the Hebrew there, I don't want to once again get too, too you know, wordy on this whole thing. But there are very few plurals in the scripture. 
So it's kind of like a compound word, it says. And so what it says is, I will restore unto you the year that you have lost already. And I will do that year after year after year. I will restore unto you the years. So if in the first six months of the year, it looks like you were not productive in some areas, but you come before God with your heart and you lift it up before the Lord and you say, I'm believing for this. God says, I'm going to restore this year what hasn't already happened in the first six months that should have happened and get ready. Happy New Year. You got six more months of covenant blessing and I will cause that. The Bible says the latter rain and the former rain will come together. It's called the double anointing said I'll do it in the first month that means this month oh I said this month I don't know about you there's seven things I've been praying about there's seven things that I've been praying about the Holy Ghost said to me and I'm telling you this because we're here on Wednesday night it's just you me and half the world listen now listen what I'm saying the Spirit of God said to me months ago on the 29th of September things will change. I'm not going to tell you what those seven things are. It's it's pastor's prayer. But I can assure you they were very serious things that I have interceded over and believing for. Some of them were very personal. Uh, Some of them were very spiritual. And on the 29th, when that entire Rosh Hashanah thing began to happen, And we begin to celebrate after having come through what's known as the month of Av. Some of you heard me talk about it. I wish I... I just have to do it a little at a time because my time's up right now. But during that season, which begins the ninth of Av, you go look it up. Just look it up on on the internet. Today you can do that. I live my life this way. I don't put it on anyone else, but I'll teach it to anybody that wants to hear it from the Scripture. There are attacks that come. Hurricanes come. Wars get started. And if you see it in line with what has happened to the Jews, to Israel, World War I started then. Hitler came on the scene on that day. Uh, Atomic bombs. So many things have happened because the devil knows his time is short. So he has stirred up his wrath and he does not know the day nor the hour when his time will finally be over and totally terminated. But he does know it's a season. And when he sees the approaching of that, according to the book of Revelation, he stirs his wrath up. Well, as we go every year to this particular time that we know Jesus is going to come back in this season one day. I don't know what year it's going to be. I just expect one day he's going to split the eastern skies. He's going to come back. And you can be sure your adversary, the devil, knows that. So he stirs up his wrath everywhere he can in that last area right there. And he does whatever he can do to try to eliminate and limit First, the body of Christ. Secondly, humanity, because God loves the lost as well as He loves the saved. How many of you glad He loved you before you were ever saved? And so hell, with the nature of a wolf, rips and tears. A wolf doesn't kill something because it's hungry, necessarily. A wolf will kill a sheep because it's in his nature. 
He'll kill it and not even eat it. Just leave it out there bloody and stuff. Just go kill it. And hell attacks not because you've done something good or bad, but you're made in the image and the likeness of God. You've just been redeemed. You've come on into the, the new creation. But before you were saved, you were still in his image and likeness. And hell will attack a lost person as much as he will a saved person. Uh, his number one attack is darkness, lack of knowledge. That's, that's the worst attack because that person is just going to hell. But when the light comes on, come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, you begin to have dominion and authority over that work of the enemy. We love the people of the world, not because of a personal emotion, but we love them because we know what God did for us. And we know how much God loves us, even when we're in the unregenerate state. Therefore, we witness every chance we get because of the love of God. Not because I'm filled with the emotion of I have to. It's more like I love God, therefore I get to help even the unlovely. Hallelujah. It's not like preacher got to preach me up to where I love all of the the ugly people of the world. No, I'm not going to do that. You better fall in love with God. I don't even have to know you, but you treat my wife and my kids nice and you be honorable toward them. I can tell you, I like you. It don't make any difference just because you nice toward my kids and my wife. How much more if we realize what he has done for us that we love what he loves? Hallelujah. Oh, absolutely. Thank God somebody loved us when we were in the unlovable kingdom. So when they would come before God, they were commanded at Passover, which we call Easter, Pentecost, which is the birth of the New Testament church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the infilling, where the Spirit of God would not just be on men, but He would come in them and endue us with power. Oh, hallelujah. And then the third thing was atonement. So in that season, which has that 10-day period of leading up to this particular day, the new year, there are covenants that God says, I will do for you if you do these things. It's not a matter of being born again. It's a matter of blessings that you can walk in by obeying God. So Joel chapter 2 says it like this. That's why Peter preached it on the day of Pentecost. Not only did he get the Feast of Pentecost fulfilled that day, but he begins to preach and teach on the day of Pentecost about atonement. They said, what mean is this? It says, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. He starts quoting the atonement prophecies of Joel chapter 2. He said, this means that what was spoken by the prophet Joel is now available. He said, it's unto uh, us, it's unto you, and as many as are far off, as the Lord our God shall call. He said, it's not just to us Jews, it's to every person that God's going to call. Red-headed Irishmen, come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Africans, Mexicans, are y'all doing all right? He said, you don't have to be Jewish with just Jewish DNA anymore. He said, these blessings 
And then he said, and they're going to come on your sons. They're going to come on your daughters. They're going to prophesy. They're going to have power. They're going to have dominion in this life. That's going to happen because that's the double anointing, Pentecost and atonement at the same time. It belongs to the church. The Bible says it got so a hold of those people. In the last couple of verses of, uh, of Acts 2, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, it says they were selling their houses and things like that to pay for the move of God and bringing the offerings. Hallelujah. Go to chapter 4, they're doing it. And it just continues to go on like that. And so God is saying when we come before Him, how many of you have been born again? Wave your hand, come on. Hallelujah. Are you saved? Jesus is the Lord of your life? How many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on, wave your hand. Glory to God. And then when we come before the Lord and we make an offering, we are acknowledging. And God, here's my heart toward you. I want these blessings of Joel chapter 2. I want what you said you would do. Father, let that anointing, let it flow in my life today. And then in the New Testament, we see it all through the Old and the New Testament. Did y'all get that tonight? I can go about four more hours if you'd like me to. But I want you to come this weekend and be here because one of the things that pastor has been praying for is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. And God, I can't tell this man what to do. He was in Wilmington, North Carolina last night. Uh, this morning, got on a plane, flew to Venezuela. We'll turn around on Saturday and fly to Houston, Texas. All of a sudden, it's just happened. These gifts and anointings. A very, very close friend of mine flew to Wilmington uh, to be in his meeting, called me this morning at 8 o'clock. He said, I can barely talk because of what took place. He starts telling me about healings and miracles. He said, there is no way this man can know these people. It's just simply impossible. One little uh, young boy had been crippled from birth, never walked nor anything. He said, in front of our eyes, I love signs and wonders. He said, when the glory of God begins to operate, he said, when that began to take place, he said, it looked like that child grew. They're, they're standing him up. He's never walked. Everybody in the church knew him. He'd been born that way that it looked like he grew, he, he, what he said to me was, it looked like he grew an inch and a half. I'm like, some pretty good counting there right there. It's pretty good math if you can do that. He said, but he just grew. He said, and that boy started walking. Hallelujah. And he said, when that young boy started walking, he said, I'm telling you, it was four hours later before we left. Amen. He said, the ministry of the Holy Ghost was touching people. He said, it was amazing. I love signs and wonders. I love word of knowledge. I love word of wisdom. Uh, it's unique. It's different because it is not natural. It is spiritual. It is supernatural. You can only dissect a miracle so far. And then it comes out of the natural realm and it steps over into the unseen realm. But when those gifts are working and somebody has that humble heart to work in that, uh, it, it's just a, a very, very powerful, powerful thing. Joel chapter 2 says when we come before the Lord, there are, there are several things that take place. Uh, first of all, in, in Joel 2.23, God says the former and the latter rain together fall at the same time. It's called the double blessing. He said, I will restore 
what the palmer worm, the caterpillar, the locust, the canker worm, everything that in the first half of the year that you did not access, that you felt like you were supposed to, and that what God had for you. He said, I will restore that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it, or I'm going to say it to you in, in, in its application. I will do it this year, next year, the next year, every time you come before me. I will do it. I will restore the years. So when you finish your life one day, you might have said, I wish I would have started earlier for Jesus. I would be able to do whatever. I believe God is saying, I can redeem your time. And what I had for your life in those days that you were not there yet, as you learned to follow me, serve me, you're going to catch up. God knows how to bring that back around and restore to you what hell was trying to steal from you. Somebody ought to get just real happy right there if we understand that. It comes in double portions. Then he says in verse 24 that there will be a financial overflow. Give me Joel 2.24. There will be an increase that takes place. Uh, And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. Well, I don't have a barn. I'm not a farmer. But if I were, I would apply that because then I'm not going to eat all that wheat. I'm going to sell that wheat. And if it's overflowing and it's full, I'm going to make a lot more than if it's barely any in there. Obviously, he's talking about I'm going to bless your work, your your effort, what you've put your hand to. God says, I'm going to increase it. I'm going to increase it. Remember, that's not one verse taken out of context. That's because they started with a solemn assembly. They came before the Lord in that time. Joel was teaching them. They've repented. They've made their heart right. They're seeking the Lord. And now they are beginning to bless the Lord. And God says, well, let me just tell you what's going to happen because you made a decision to serve God. And then he says uh, in verse 25, put put that up there. He said, I'll restore what you've lost. I'll restore to you the years. If you take that S off, I mean, if you want, to, if you want the S on there, that's your business. Uh, because he's saying, but I'm going to restore year after year after year. Hallelujah. I'll restore. And he's speaking of in the second half of this year, and I will do this in the first month. Yes. We're in the first month. Yes. I believe we should expect. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Expect. I will do that in the first month. Put verse 26 up there. This one, if this was the only thing in God's covenant promise, uh, this one would be pretty good right here. And you will eat in plenty. Woo, glory. You'll eat in plenty and be sat. How many want to live a satisfied life? And you will praise the night. You will glorify God. You will give God the glory. Because he has wondrously, woo, that's a huge word in Hebrew, and it just means to multiply. He has multiplied his blessings, and his people shall never be ashamed. Look me right in the face. If God makes you a kajillionaire because you serve God, obey God, would you please not take the tuck head like you've done something wrong? I refuse to act cursed if I'm blessed. It wasn't because of me, it's because of him. And so I am his son. You're his son or daughter. If my father left me something that made me a little better off than I was before he left me something, 
I'm not going to act like I'm ashamed that my daddy loved me enough to leave me something. I'm going to be like, thank you, Lord, and thank you, Daddy. And if God blesses your life, don't act like, I, I, listen, the spirit of the age is all in bad one percenters. Look me right in the face. You happen to be real close to that category worldwide. If you just put it in the U.S., maybe you're in the, the top 10% or the top 15%, but you just put humanity in it, you in the 1% crowd. If you drove up here in a car today, and if you got a little money in, in your pocket. So whether you realize it or not, you're blessed. I said you're blessed. And I refuse to be cursed. I'm not trying to keep up with the mystical Joneses, whoever they are. I just want to live the blessing that God has for my life. Come on, you know what I'm saying. You want to live the blessing that God has for you. We do not compare ourselves with someone else. We rejoice when someone else is blessed. We're like, oh, hallelujah. And we give God the glory. And the Bible says it's wondrously done. Woo, miracles, unique, special things. The fifth thing he says, look at verse 27. I told y'all, y'all shouldn't have got me going at this on a Wednesday night. Uh, look, number five, verse 27. And you shall know that I am in the midst of you. And I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Here's what God said. He said, so you might have been walking that other one you think by yourself, but forget it. You've already called upon me. You've humbled yourself before me. So like it or not, I'm going with you. I'm going to be with you. If you come to the fire, I'm going with you. If you come to the ocean, I'm going with you. If you go to the highest heaven or the lowest hell, I'm going with you. Paul and Silas were in that bad situation in the midnight. God's like, I'm with you. Peter is about to lose his head. God said, uh, wake up. Uh, you're, you're about to go own this place. And the gate opened of itself. It's a beautiful word only used twice in the Greek in the entire Bible. It says, and the gate to the city, the iron gate opened. It's the Greek word, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-E, automate. The first automatic doors, come on, did not belong to Kroger's. It said Peter walked up there and the gate automatically opened that led to the city. Woo, hallelujah. How many of you glad God's got automatics? He knows how to open some things up to you and he's going with you. Uh, put verse 20, uh, 26 up there for me. Excuse me, 28, verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 28, please. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your household. I'm going to bless your heritage. When we sow, we're saying, God, I expect exactly what you said will take place. My sons and daughters are going to prophesy. The ministry of angels is going to be around them. Young and old members of my household are going to walk in the blessing, the double portion anointing. 
because the atonement has been shed and I have participated with my heart. And we should declare it. Verse, 30, uh, verse 32. The last thing I'll say tonight. Verse 32. And it'll come to pass that whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Hallelujah. Woo! Somebody shout delivered. delivered. They shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, that's a spiritual type for us. That's the body of Christ that's in the church and in the kingdom of God. But in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, and in the remnant, deliverance will be in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and he said, so your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. They're going to have dreams and vision. And this gift is to them and to as many as are afar off as the Lord our God shall call. If you want to know where your name is in the Bible, it's in uh, Joel chapter 2 verse 32. It's in Acts chapter 2 because you're part of those who were afar off who the Lord called and all of the qualities of the atonement belong to you through one Jesus Christ. Come on, you ought to give God the praise right there, church. Woo, glory to God. It's important to get it. I just gave you an entire Bible course on the atoning ability of the blood and of the Holy Ghost. Deuteronomy 16 says, three times a year, there's a solemn time that we come before God and we never come before Him empty. This is 5780. My wife and I this week were talking to Cindy and I. What do we want to do ourselves? Uh, 80, the, the, the Jewish year, 5780, and some of you that study and follow that and on the Jewish calendar, you see those things. That's very important to hear this. 80 means to have a mouth wide open. It's the Hebrew word P-E-Y. But it has a figurine. It has a picture there. And it means to be open for wisdom, knowledge, power, provision, the goodness of God. Wisdom deals with future. It always has. It always will. Knowledge deals with now and the past. Future deals with... Uh, wisdom deals with purpose and future. And in 5780, the year 5780, the Jewish year, the Hebrew year, the Bible year that we are celebrating that begins at atonement, we're saying, God, we are open wide. We expect to see your favor, your power, your goodness. That's what the 80 is. Uh, I, I won't go into 57, it just, but it has to do with tens, I can tell you that. Glory to God. Listen to me. I said, honey, we're talking about this because we just had this conversation this week. I said, I feel in my spirit, I'm going to do something that's a little different. Uh, we'll do some multiple of 80 that we're going to sow personally. I'm going to sow that, and then she's going to sow it also because I have sons and daughters that I expect to prophesy and serve God. I want that ministry of the atonement. I want to activate it. I want to see the first six months of the year from, from Passover, from Easter, six months up to right now. I don't mind telling you God's been good to this preacher, but I have fought some battles. 
I fought some battles. I went blind in one eye and deaf in one ear. I went through a major surgery. I had other attacks. Uh, just because I don't get up and talk all about those things, God's a good God. Amen. And He keeps covenant with His people. And, and many people that are in here that know me personally know what I'm talking about. But God uh, delivered us out of it all. Woo, hallelujah. And there's some things that we have, uh, have been fighting against in the spirit because I believe in spiritual warfare. Some people say, well, we don't have to fight anymore. Well, get your brains beat out if you want to. But I'm going to pro progress forward. And when you're taking territory, especially with an apostolic call, you take territory, you got to break up fallow ground. And it doesn't break up easy or everybody would be doing it. But God knows how to make those things happen if you're willing to go in the battle. I'm not looking for sympathy. To you. Don't get that. I don't. If that was the case, I'd have told you a long time ago about those things. No, but exactly the opposite. But now, this last six months, the next six months, that will lead up to Easter. From now up to Easter. I believe that everything that hell tried to take from us or limit us in the first six months, God is going to restore. Hallelujah, yes. And I believe it starts this month. I could tell you about four things already this month that have begun to break through for Oh, glory to God. I believe every person in here tonight, if you got that in your spirit, you ought to do an $80 offering, an atonement offering and say, God, I will not come before you empty. My treasure's in my heart. My heart's in my treasure. I offer my heart to you. Here's my treasure. Or 800 or 8,000 or 80,000. Don't quench the spirit. 800,000. But do something in faith and say, God, I believe what Jesus did for me is powerful and I receive it. I expect there to be a supernatural overflow. Some of you have already been giving this month because you've got it in your spirit already. You've already been doing some remarkable things. That's powerful. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.